This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 hello. Four hellos. Four hellos. I'm excited. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't be, but I am. Um, I, I was remiss on our last show. We had asked the two shows ago, what was your favorite remake? And you and I couldn't really come up with anything from a movie perspective. I got a lot of responses. Um, Father of the Bride, The Italian Job. The most popular one I got from everybody was Ocean's Eleven. And I would agree with that. The The George Clooney Ocean's Eleven was a far better movie than the Frank Sinatra movie from yes. the 60s. So, and that was the best one. And then they did Ocean's 12 yeah. and 13. Ocean's 11 was really good. Ocean's 11 was really good. 12 Steven was Soderbergh, okay. he's very good. Yeah, 12 was okay. 13 was better than 12, but 11 was the best of the three. But wait, what, what was the first one? Uh... Italian Father job. of the Bride. Father of the Bride apparently was a remake. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. I thought Steve Martin, that was an original. I didn't know that was a remake. Um, somebody said, uh, I had a couple other ones, but the Italian jo- or the Ocean's Eleven was the most popular. So I wanted to get that out. People did give us some things that were better than the original. So I didn't want to forget that. So this week, things happened, as they always do. Uh, Beto O'Rourke is, hmm. as somebody said to me, are you sad that Better works out of the race? I said I didn't really know he was in the race. He was he was there. Two percent was his the, high. The Babylon Bee uh, headline was perfect, which said, "Did you see this? Beto drops out to spend more time taking guns from his family." <laughs> and that was the perfect, uh, was perfect perfect epitaph yeah. for Beto's. And, and appropriately so. Uh, Kamala Harris has apparently dropped off the face of the yeah. earth as well. She's closing all of her offices in New Hampshire, which isn't good if that's the first primary uh, you're going to have. Not the caucus. Well, she also uh, she also then explained this ba- because of, as you can guess, uh, racism yes. and sexism. Now, remember, these are the Democratic voters. <laughs> so the woke the, is not woke enough. She's still within her own primary, and she's accusing her own. It's not just the wicked Republicans. No, no, it's the Democrats that won't vote for her. They're also racists and sexists. <laughs> but of course they are. Why wouldn't they be? Yes. It can't be me. It's got to be them. So. That brings us – get rid of the, that issue. I read an article this week by Jennifer Rubin. Why did you do that? Because it was there. It, I read stuff so you don't have if there, to. If there is someone – okay, when we plot people along the Trump derangement <laughs> axis, she – well, she and Max Boot go back and yes. forth kind of each week on who has gone the more insane. And I actually think she is now – she has slightly taken the lead. She's now well, she's pulled ahead. But don't worry, Max, next week we'll say something even more ridiculous. Something. She wrote an article for MSNBC titled An Opinion, Every House Republican Just Ignore Their Oath of Office. Okay? Now I want to read the oath of office that the that the congressmen have to take when they get into when they are seated. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter, so help me God. Now, anything in there seems strange, odd, seems pretty basic to me. I'm going to uphold the Constitution, which that's what you're supposed to do when you're taking public office. She claims if 
the Republicans don't vote for impeachment, but they've just ignored their oath well, of office. Of course she has. Of course that's what she says. So I'm, I'm looking in here. I, I don't see anything about impeachment being required to uphold your oath of office. Affirm the con- support the Constitution. But the Constitution doesn't say you have to impeach. It says you can impeach. Is there? Am I missing something there? Well, what you're missing is that <laughs> in any situation involving Trump, Jen Rubin – I mean this is – I'm not exaggerating when I say this. She literally from week to week, she could have had a position that was diametrically opposed the day before. And if Donald Trump says, I now support that position, she will then disavow it. Yes. I mean, yes. it's, it's and this I'm not making that up. If you go back and look at the positions that she has held on any number of things, she literally, without any other explanation, the minute she found out that Donald Trump supported something that she used to support, she started to oppose it. Well, let me, here's a, here's a quote from her. Unless they see the light and vote for articles of impeachment, referring to the Republicans, not a single one will be able to say that when the chips were down and the most dangerous president in history attempted to delegitimize our elections by inviting interference. And to co-opt the government for private political gain, they put country over party. None will be able to claim that they stood against the invitation for a foreign government to investigate a U.S. Oh, citizen. yawn. Really? She's still, she's still doing this? She's still with the, the Russia? I, that's what I'd like. Huh? Wait a minute. What am I looking at here? She's listed on the Washington Post as the no right. conservative. Yes. I like, know that's the best. Huh. She's the conservative huh. voice. Actually, yeah. that's perfect. At the Washington Post, it makes it makes she sense. She probably is a conservative. That out there. Jen Rubin is the is the uh, House conservative. <laughs> I I just put that out there because I, I know there's people out there who are saying yeah yeah, and she she discounts the Star Chamber that uh, the Republicans are calling the investigation uh, simply because, and I think it was. Did not Adam Schiff just say this week that Republicans can only call witnesses that he approves? Oh, right, right. But that's not. That's, Is anyone even even paying attention to this anymore? Uh, what did what did uh, Powerline call it the uh, the uh, Adam Schiff show? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, if, if their goal is to completely delegitimize themselves, then they are doing I mean, they are doing a bang up job. You almost have to believe that Trump has somebody has locked Adam Schiff in a closet and has one of his operatives. If, if you wanted to run a fake impeachment inquiry and demonstrate that nothing that you do is serious or has any due process, and you have no intention of making it a fair, transparent process, you would do exactly what they're doing now. <laughs> We're doing it in secret. We're selectively leaking things to the press to make Trump look bad. Mm-hmm. Adam Schiff is the one that designed. By the way, why are we running it out of the Intelligence Committee? Well, they, if you looked at they they stopped calling it the Intelligence right. Committee. That's right. They changed the name because they knew, well, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Uh, we're not going to call it that even though that's what it is. It's usually run out of the Judiciary Committee. Mm-hmm. But Which will that, be involved. That, that, that it'll be involved. The whole, the whole thing is, is just a, is a comedy. It, it's a comedy simply because – what I, I read somewhere this week, and I don't remember who said this, but it was it wasn't until all this came out with Ukraine that people wanted to impeach Trump. No, before he took the oath of office, they wanted to impeach him. The Democrats wanted to impeach him before he was president, which we said you, you can't do because he's not in office. So this is this is just one more reason to look at it. Now, did you see that some of the Mueller notes were released Oh, because nobody uh, cares about Mueller anymore. Well, apparently there was some uh, smoke. Let's call it smoke. It was barely fire. Basically, there was things in those notes that they the the CNN 
you know, sued to get the DOJ to re- release. <laughs> Uh, and BuzzFeed also, you know, right, the other yeah, great le- legitimate organization. I, I'm just – I'm tired No, that's why I, 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 will, I will admit I don't really pay attention to this anymore. I, I just don't. Um, you know, and people like Jen Rubin can scream about the fact that it's the most dangerous president. Listen, there's a whole bunch of reasons not to like Donald Trump. Sure. There's a whole bunch of people that won't vote for Donald Trump. That's fantastic. That's why we have an election every four years. This – ongoing rolling farce that is an attempt to impeach him. And this started, as we've noted many times, literally the day, actually before he was even elected, Yes, they were talking about impeaching him. Yes, Why anyone takes any of this seriously, I have no idea. The people that do, uh, they're obviously, they exist in some universe that I don't exist in. Uh, and again, <laughs> I, I'm perfectly content to have people explain to me, and I, I wouldn't push back. There's many reasons not to vote for Donald Trump. There's sure. many reasons not to like Donald Trump, despise his policies, all you want. But this impeachment insanity with people that are still talking about Russia, they simply – it is a mental disorder. There's something wrong with many of these people that they can't at least accept reality and say, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to put forward a legitimate candidate who's not the, the lizard queen from V, and we're going to try to win <laughs> an election, which is how it works in this country every four years. And – if our agenda is so fantastic and so right side of history, then the American people will recognize this and vote for us. But but clearly they don't think that for mm-hmm. good reason, sure. given who they've lined up. Sure. Their leading candidate is now Elizabeth Warren. Oh, boy. Talk <laughs> about news. talk about, you know, just a we got to talk a fastball down the middle for Donald Trump. Yeah, we got one right so I just I literally I mean. I sort of pay attention to this just because I follow the news, but I really don't care. And I think there are many, many people. In fact, I saw a recent poll uh, in sort of the swing state, red states, where if he was impeached, it's actually worse, which is what I've been saying from the beginning. This is not going to get them what they want. The people that they need to attract are going to be repulsed by are repulsed and will be incredibly angry Mm -hmm. as this process continues to unfold. But Mm -hmm. they can't help themselves. They just won't stop. Well, the, the question becomes, when when this all works itself out, and I said this to somebody today, he's the election's not that far away. We're we're less we're about a year away from a, yep. another election. If you think your ideas and your candidates are far and above better than everything else out there, then you shouldn't even be bothering with this because he'll be gone anyway. But I think the reality is they want to basically tilt the wheel in their favor so everything gets their way. And then even if they have the weakest candidate, which Elizabeth Warren is not the strongest candidate, then they can still win because he's damaged goods. I ask you, and and I've asked other people this, if there is a quid pro quo, and in that transcript there was not a quid pro quo, maybe something else elsewhere, there might be other things out there. If there was a quid pro quo, do you care? Do I, well, do I care what? That the president was withheld, saying, withheld aid to the Ukraine for not investigating Hunter Biden. Yeah, I would, I would care. I, I don't think that's appropriate. I guess that would be tempered with the knowledge that the idea that Donald Trump is the first person to have done this. And again, this isn't what about is I'm like, well, other people do it too. That's fine. Right. Um, I already know that Donald Trump is not an ethical guy mm-hmm. in many ways. He hasn't conducted himself as a businessman that way. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's not somebody that anyone should look to as a moral authority. So the question ultimately – and of course – so the question to me becomes, well, Tony, how can you sit here every week and defend Donald Trump? Well, first of all, I'm not really defending Donald Trump. 
what I am saying is that when it comes as between Donald Trump and all of his personal failings and the people that have spent the last three years attempting to overturn a fair election, I've said this many, many times, they are by far the more dangerous people. Mm -hmm. The Jen Rubens of the world, the Max Boots of the world, the Bill Crystals of the world, and all the crazy leftists who want to eradicate the Electoral College, who want to pack the Supreme Court, who will do anything by any means necessary to remove this president. All of the people at our main, the CIA, the FBI, all of the governmental agencies that have clearly attempted by a bureaucratic coup, call it whatever you want. If you don't like deep state because it sounds too melodramatic, the reality <laughs> is we know full well that these people have from day one been attempting to sabotage this this politician and his campaign. If you're not frightened by that more than you're frightened by Donald Trump's tweeting, I don't then you and I really don't have anything to talk about because I don't really understand your perspective because my perspective is, is once you allow the CIA and the FBI to spy on American citizens and to corruptly apply for FISA warrants with no basis on a completely farcical dossier and all the stuff that's been going on that, that hopefully is going to come out once Durham and mm -hmm. the rest of them finish this. If you're not concerned by that because you're happy it was used against Donald Trump I think you need to be reminded that that stuff works when your guy is there or your gal is there as well. And so I'm far more concerned about that than the fact that Donald Trump is a cretin. That's great. I don't like Donald Trump. I like some of his policies. And you know what? I didn't vote for him because I think he's a Christian because he's not. But no. we're confronted with him or Hillary. I would pick him in a, even though I didn't vote for either of them. I know. But yeah. I wish I actually had voted for him now, given <laughs> given this response yeah. to his election. Yeah. And I will vote for him happily in 2020, given what is arrayed against him. The kooks. Yeah. So you say you're you're not happy with personal quid pro quo possibilities here. And, and, and that's fine. I, I accept that. And I would agree with you. I don't think this is the first time any politician, including president, has had a quid pro quo for personal gain. I, we may not have record of it. I think every single one of them has done this throughout the history. I'm not surprised by it. I'm not offended by it. And I'm a little surprised that other people seem shocked that this they're might not, happen. But they're not shocked. That's the other point. They're all lying. They're not. Sh nobody is shocked. And same with the intelligence community. They're, I think they're spying on us all the time. Right. And the, the surprise to me is that they did it to a presidential candidate. That's the only surprise I have. Not that they do it because I know it's going on right now throughout this country. I'm not surprised by it. I'm disappointed by it, but I'm not surprised by I it. I don't think that there is anybody on the other side of this who is fomenting for impeachment who actually thinks that any of this is a high crime and misdemeanor. No, they, they just don't. No. Okay, because if they did, they would have been far more concerned when all these other things were going on, even under the Obama. They don't care. So what I read from that is, and I've said this before, it's not a question of whataboutism. It's when I've seen that you don't care about these kind of actions when your people are in power spare me your garment rending and your shrieking and your shock when someone else is doing it doesn't mean it's okay sure and does it rise to the level of an impeachable offense i've read that transcript yeah. you're never going to convince me that what is on there justifies impeaching a president but i've also said let the process 
take its course. Mm -hmm. It's a political remedy. If they have the votes and they're going to impeach him, let him do it. And then let them face the political consequences for doing so. So I'm not somebody that says this is a terrible thing that you should impeach him. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. I think it's a completely ginned up controversy. Show us the man. We'll find you the crime. They've been <laughs> doing this for three years. Yeah. They weren't going to stop if it wasn't Russia and it wasn't Stormy and it wasn't whatever. Emoluments and the 25th Amendment. They're, they're going to find something. So they've latched onto this. Go ahead. Make our day, so to speak, because mm -hmm. I think this is going to boomerang on you. Mm -hmm. But please stop pretending that you think this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Because no, stop insulting our intelligence. <laughs> nobody believes you. No, nobody Nancy believes. Pelosi. Well, nobody believes you. But Don Lemon said they're obligated to vote for impeachment. Right, Don Lemon. He also said, another... They're constitutionally obligated. I said it doesn't say you have to impeach. It says you can impeach. If you feel right. And all the people like Jerry Nadler who were giving speeches about how impeachment overturns a fair election yes. and it's the worst possible. But that remedy. was Bill Clinton. Right. That was before. <laughs> that was before. So that wasn't Jerry, now. Again, I, I don't have any respect for any of these people. They're all a bunch of charlatans. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. Again, this is now about politics. Is it going to redound to their benefit or not? I think, as usual, they have overstepped. They have miscalculated. And if they do this. Fantastic. They're going to taint Donald Trump as an impeached president. He'll never be removed. And then they'll face the voters next year. Mm -hmm. And I think when all the dust settles, they're going to rue the day mm -hmm. that they decided to do this. I, Maybe I, I'm wrong, but I don't think so. Well, I think you're, you're well in thinking that way. Donald Trump called it a lynching. He was castigated for calling it a lynching by all the right, typical, all the same people who have heard lynching used. But over also and over. the same people who said when Clinton was impeached that it was a lynching. The, the Democrats who said they were lynching right. on the Again, Senate floor. I'm so like, there's mm -hmm. no standards except double standards. I just yes. don't care. I, yes. I just – I can't listen to these people anymore. They're, they have they have lost whatever microscopic shred of credibility that they had long ago. And so now – Again, just you might as well just stop your political posturing. Just <laughs> just ram this thing through. Yes. Let cocaine Mitch bring it to a vote in one day. It'll be shot down, and then we'll be back to status quo. Now yes. you have an impeached president. Yes, you can run all day long and say we're facing this horrible president, only the third in our history mm -hmm. that's ever been impeached. Great. Let's see if that actually gets you traction for a presidential run. But say that for a second. One more thing. So if this was not for personal gain, quid pro quo for personal gain, do you have a problem tying foreign aid to stipulations and conditions that are no, not personal? absolutely not. I think you have to tie it to We do that, that all the time. Exactly. We should, we do, and we should never stop. It's our aid. It's our money and our resources. We should never say, no, we're just going to give it to you as a gift. You do whatever you want with it. You want to have whatever. That's great. No, there are stipulations, and I don't think we should ever give aid to a country that doesn't do what we're asking for in return. That's why the aid's there. It's, our, it's my taxpayers' dollars. It's your taxpayer dollars. It's funds. It's it's other things. And it's not always money. I, I, and I guess I except can't, if you're a mola from Iran. Repeat this enough. The same people who are now saying that Donald Trump should be impeached because of this horrendous uh, implied quid pro quo. They were more than willing. In fact, they've been needing emotional therapy puppies for the last three years because the woman that they wanted to be president funded and hired an ex-MI6 agent to collect dirty information on Donald Trump funneled from Russia, who I'm reliably informed is our most horrid, egregious, <laughs> heinous enemy, with the direct result of attempting to take down an opposing campaign. 
exactly what they now are claiming to be incredibly shocked and horrified by their chosen president who they want to have they wanted her to be seated mm-hmm. in her throne room right now did exactly this at a level that Donald Trump cannot even imagine mm-hmm. and they don't care not yeah. only do they not care their hired gun prosecutor who had the widest possible scope of an investigation never even looked into this again Our sworn enemy, if you believe the theory that Russia is going to hack our election, that presidential campaign hired someone to get Russian disinformation to destroy the Mm -hmm. political campaign of Donald Trump and his presidency, and these people don't care. Shut up. I don't want to hear it from you. Just don't. I will not listen. So if Russia was such a threat, why did Obama allow him to take over Crimea? (laughs) With... Without supporting Ukraine or standing up to Russia and saying, no, you can't have – I mean Putin basically did a playbook from Afghanistan or back to Uncle Adolf when he'd foment dissent in the country and say, they really want us to come in and protect them. We need to protect our, our, our sovereign relatives here in this part of the world. And the same people that are now weeping crocodile tears over the Kurds. And look, you can have a good faith disagreement about Trump's Syria policy. First of all, the Syria that we're dealing with now is at the feet of the Obama administration. And none of those people had a single thing to say when the mauve line was violated (laughs) and Assad continued to barrel bomb hundreds of thousands of people, acts of genocide. Where were they shrieking then about the Obama administration, how they betrayed all these freedom fighters? Where were all these humanitarians? It was good foreign policy then. Now it's bad. So again, shut up. You have no credibility. I don't think he should have pulled out of Syria. Me personally. I don't don't think so either, although you have to understand, it is so complicated over there. If you're really interested interested in this, I encourage anyone to find an article that was written by Lee Smith. Uh, He's a brilliant guy. He writes for Tablet. But what he was pointing out is that because we take all our information in these, you know, these sound bites, the Kurds are not the Kurds are not the Kurds. Meaning <laughs> even the Kurds, the Kurds that are in Syria are not the other Kurds. There's very different offshoots. There's a Marxist branch. So a lot of people will say, oh, we've abandoned the Kurds. Well, which Kurds are you talking about? Because there's a whole bunch of the different Iraqi ones. Kurds. Right. So the point is, look, I have no problems with people who say Donald Trump should not have pulled out. But I'm not going to listen to anyone who says that, who were at the same time championing Barack Obama's spinelessness in the face of what Assad was doing over there Mm -hmm. and allowing this refugee crisis, which is exactly what it caused. And now all of a sudden, Donald Trump is wicked and evil because he's done this. You have no credibility, so shut up. Yeah, I, I don't think you should have pulled out, not necessarily for the Kurds, although that's part of it. But because he's seed, he's basically ceding Syria to Russian influence, which I don't think is obviously in the best interest of of our global scope. But that's I'm not a I'm not an internationalist, so I don't really know exactly what's going on and how you do that. But you're there putting put people in now would be tough having if them you there. Were, if you were consistently different. holding the Obama administration to account mm-hmm. for all of its feckless conduct relating to Russia and relating to Syria. And now you want to go after Donald Trump? Have at it. Yeah. You have the absolute intellectual and moral standing to do that. But there's almost nobody among the chorus of people who are screeching about this that have any ability to say that. So you should just be quiet. Yes. Yes. I want to play a clip for you, and I want your reaction after I play it. 
President Trump is changing Washington, creating 6 million new jobs, 500,000 new manufacturing jobs, cutting illegal immigration in half, obliterating ISIS, their caliphate destroyed, their terrorist leader dead. But the Democrats would rather focus on impeachment and phony investigations, ignoring the real issues. But that's not stopping Donald Trump. He's no Mr. Nice Guy, but sometimes it takes a Donald Trump to change Washington. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. That was run uh, Monday Night Football a couple times. Um, it sounds like one of those, uh, the narrator sounds like one of those like top fuel dragster guys. Yeah, yeah, or the movie guy. <laughs> I mean, it's very subtle. <laughs> it's very subtle. I, I don't, in, in recent memory, and I, I can't even think back to, have you ever heard of a sitting president running a campaign <laughs> ad a year before an election? That's a long well, time. Now, it's impeachment's part of that. I'm but. sure. I'm sure there's all sorts of uh, bile and venom directed at who who ran this. So it was uh, what network? It was on NBC, ESPN. Oh, ESPN, which so, is shocking too. I mean, <laughs> now that's this is fascinating because there is no way under the John Skipper regime Ooh, no, at ESPN no, no, no. that that would have been <laughs> permitted. <laughs> And I am sure there's been a whole bunch of people behind the scenes. How could you allow the evil Kaiser to run this ad? I don't know. I just you're the woke sports network. You are, but what what do you think about the ad? Was it? I think it's like most of his stuff, completely ridiculous and over the top, and how it's presented. But this is what he does, and I think, I I think now. This is this is again everything that he does is trolling. So <laughs> yes. he purposely and his people purposely do this because he knows not just the substance, but the entire way that that is presented. <laughs> like like it's some WWE. That's, I was going to say and the same so thing. He WWE. knows it is designed for maximum <laughs> head explosions yes. from the people that see this. Not just that it's on Monday Night Football, but it's presented in this. He's not Mister Nice Guy, but he gets things done. We don't need Mister Nice. Guy, we need Donald. Trump. So, and Monster Truck Rally, WWE beer commercials. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. But he knows Fix the demo. He knows his opponents, <laughs> yes. and he. I think it's more designed to make them infuriated than yeah. it is to actually kind of entice people. Because look, the people that are already in his camp. That doesn't change their mind, and I don't think that Middle America, Middle of the Road guy, is going to be overly impressed with that. No, but it's just to drive them nuts. Well. It, like I said, have you ever heard a presidential candidate who's an existing president running an ad a year before the election? They haven't even had the Democratic primaries, and he's already running this ad. But what does this tell you, though? This is exactly gets back to the point about the politics of impeachment. Mm-hmm. In some ways, maybe in many ways, Donald Trump thinks this is fantastic. Sure. If he gets That's... to run for the next nine months against the Democrats and this absurd impeachment inquiry. Mm -hmm. He loves that. He should. Because they look... He had me up until he said, oh, the Democrats want to focus on impeachment. I'm like, yeah, but that's this is a self-serving ad for sure. Obviously, it's an ad. But it just, like, that's where it lost me from, like, okay, you talk about all the great things that you've done. Debatable. But no, but that's what he wants to talk about. I know, I know. But it, it just feels like when you hit the impeachment, like, I just don't care about impeachment. I just don't care. No, but and the thing is, you're right, because you and I have, you know, we have to talk about this repeatedly. There's many people that have, yes, impeachment fatigue, and that's the point. Mm-hmm. They're sick of this. They had their shot. 
They had Robert Mueller. That was going to be the salvation. They were going to frog march him out. And he was, it was a fizzle. They had nothing. And so instead of doing what most rational people would be able to do and say, okay, listen, we, we spent two years, two years, how many tens of millions of dollars trying to <laughs> dig up something, right? Couldn't There's nothing there. No, no, we're not going to stop. We just can't. It's can't the next ourselves. thing. What's the next thing? Can't help ourselves. Ukraine. Ukraine. That's it. <laughs> we're awesome this way. So uh, this, again, we'll see how this plays out. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but the way this is going. And the other thing is, and I know they scoffed at this before. Do you watch the people that show up at his rallies? Yeah. I mean, in terms of the numbers, the intensity, the lines. Now, the media can scoff at this and say, ah, oh, it's anecdotal. That's fine. But you know what? I don't see that kind of enthusiasm for any of the leading Democratic presidential candidates. Okay. Is there anybody that's even close? No. And do you think, do you think, okay, maybe in fairness, well, they're still a candidate. Do you, do you think when they're the nominee, that's going to change? No. I don't, I don't think so. No. I, I like the ad because it's bombastic at the right demographic. Um, I, I just, I, I don't think it hits the right note. What's the right note, though? The right note is to just remind people of all the great things you're doing and stop no, there. No, but that's not his strategy. I know that's not his he strategy. He doesn't care. I know. But his that's strategy what I would want. is to, again, make his enemies, his political enemies, even increasingly crazier. Yes. Because of how he behaves. Now, and, and you can tell me, well, you know, Tony, you should really frown on these tactics. Look, they're not the tactics that I would employ, but this is what he does. Is it is it all that awful? It's cheesy. It's tacky. It's ridiculous. I think Vince McMahon it's in wrote your it. Face. Yes, <laughs> honestly. So it's it's not statesmanlike. No, and I get it. The aesthetics of it makes people you know break out in hives. Beat him at the polls. That's yeah. my message to you. I would agree. If you don't like it, fix it by beating him at the polls. And you know how you could do that? You could run somebody who's not crazy. So, for instance, we just heard from Elizabeth Warren. We'll get to her in a yes, second. Her $52 trillion that's, Medicare for that's, all that's the next, shiny unicorn. Yep, that's the next topic. You're running someone <laughs> who's crazy. Okay, and even if she's not actually crazy, her proposals are crazy, and she's not going to win. So yes. if you get annoyed by WWE Monday Night Trump, the way you fix that is to run someone who's actually a sane candidate with policies that are not going to scare Every person who's a swing voter. So, Simple. So let's talk about that. That was the next topic anyway. What's our national debt? $23 trillion? Right. Elizabeth Warren over 10 years wants to get, <laughs> add $52 trillion to our national budget. If I, if I do my numbers right, that's more than double what our national debt right. is today by adding Medicare for all. Oh, and by the way, 2 million jobs will be lost. With this Medicare for all, because there no longer be people working in the health insurance industry. But according to Elizabeth Warren, well, they'll just go work on life insurance or auto insurance <laughs> because suddenly we'll have more people and cars is, that need again, insurance. What? So you have to admire her because she's at the point now where it doesn't matter what she says. In other words, she knows that you know that she knows she's lying, meaning it's go this plan isn't even feasible. What amazes me, here's the bigger thing. Nobody actually believes that she's going to do this, but. Why would you tie yourself to this policy? Why would you allow Donald Trump to run ads from now until eternity that Elizabeth Warren wants to basically tax you into oblivion on her $52 trillion boondoggle? I, 
why would you why would you adopt this as your signature proposal? Because she's crazy. Yeah, that's what I said. So I mean, she's she's apparently you know a relatively smart woman. So I have to believe that there. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Either she suffered a break from reality, or she actually thinks that there's a constituency for this. Uh, well, here's what here's what she said. She said, uh, "This will cost twenty point five trillion without a tax ha- tax hike on the middle class." No, but that's total- a, that's a lie. Of course, that's well, a, that's well, that's the most shameless that's not even lie possible. of all. Here's how she says: identifies four other areas for funding to pay for this. Better enforcement of tax laws to limit tax evasion and avoidance. <laughs> this is the old, yes, we're going to eliminate corruption and waste. That's good. Yes, That's yes. good. Uh, $1.4 trillion would come from existing taxes on the enormous amount of money that will be not returned to individual's pockets as the system changes to Medicare for all. I have no idea what that means. I don't know what that means. She might as well just said unicorn. Yeah. Go ahead. Taxes on the financial sector, corporations, increased capital gains tax, and an increased wealth tax on billionaires. Right. So that's the unconstitutional tax where she's going to take 2% of very wealthy people's stuff just because. Because they shouldn't have it. Just because I can. Right. The passage of comprehensive immigration reform, which Warren says could lead to $400 billion of newly taxable income over the next decade. That means giving right. citizenship to these people and then taxing them. That's right. What, that's the plan. Right. That's that's a good plan. I mean, and I, the details there are very very well, compelling. Yes. Closing the Department of Defense contingency fund. Oh. Remember, the total national debt is twenty three trillion. She wants to more than double that by closing the defense. Well, she's Department and again, she's counting fund. on innumeracy, right? She's counting on once the numbers get this big, people don't even process them. Yes. So it's a big whole lot. Yeah. So what's the current uh, annual Department of Defense? Uh, allocation for the contingency fund does she even lay that out no she does it's, not it's let's say it's something in the i'm i'm guessing here it's something in probably uh, the several billion dollar mark yes she counts on the fact that people don't realize that several billion dollars to 50 trillion mm. is like if you took a penny and then atomized it and then picked up the atomic subatomic particles. <laughs> that's the amount of money that it is compared to that uh, yes. amount that's going to cost for one program. Yes. Remember, she's got everything. We still else. have to fund the rest of the bloated federal government. Yes, that's just for the Medicare for all. So Kate Bettenfield, uh, Biden's deputy campaign manager, communications director, says to accomplish this sleight of hand, her proposal dramatically understates its cost, overstates its savings inflates the revenue and pretends that employer payroll tax increases something else. Yes, because that's when she says it's not a middle-class tax. It's like a $9 trillion payroll tax increase, which she somehow doesn't call a tax. No. It's um, sleight of hand. <laughs> that's yeah. really what it is. She has, I don't know what she called it. It's ridiculous. It. But don't forget the $2 million, two million jobs lost. So we're going to raise revenue when 2 million less people are working. Yeah, that seems to make sense. But sure. Again, but why over. would you why would you adopt this as your proposal? This is poison. It this has is, to be. This is electoral poison. Echo chamber. She's gonna stand on a stage like a pinata and get hammered. And she has no answers for any of this. And Donald Trump is going to he's gonna relish just pounding this day after day after day. And People should be frightened by this. Anyone who actually is espousing this as a policy has no business running for dog catcher, let no. alone president, you because be you're economically illiterate and you're also dangerous because you're, and you're a liar. Yes. Let's, let's be blunt. Yeah. People, Donald Trump lies a lot. Yes. Elizabeth Warren is as brazen a liar as Donald Trump. If you're going to stand there and tout a $52 trillion program and say, oh, no, no, 
we're going to plant this giant money tree mm -hmm. that's going to make all – so you don't have to have a tax on you. You're lying, and not only that, you think we're idiots. Yes. $23 trillion currently, $52 trillion for one Who program. Who is in her inner circle that is actually allowing her to even – why did she even bother putting a price tag on it? I don't know. I mean, their normal playbook is to say, ah, we're not sure. We got to crunch the numbers, the CBO. But yes. don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> CBO. The, the conjecture and speculation taxes will Has take the CBO care of it. ever been accurate? No. It's that's, never right. Right. Ever. Well, and part of their defense is that it's garbage in, garbage out. So they can only project based on the horrendously bad, misleading, faulty information they get on the front end. But the, even when they get solid information, it's always low. Well, they always make it up. It always feels like when the CBO comes out with a number, you go, yeah, that's guaranteed to be a tenth of the cost. If at you want to be really frightened, just go back and look at what the projections were for Medicare, <laughs> okay, when it was implemented and see what it's running at now. How about Social Security? And then project that, exactly, and project that onto this, I yeah. don't even know what to call it, this pipe dream. The pipe dream is far too charitable. Well, I meant marijuana pipe. Yeah, right. <laughs> she's so, smoking a bowl. I mean, again, if she's going to be their leading candidate, and this, along with nationalize the companies and ban fracking, are her signature items. Yeah. I mean, Donald Trump is going to win by a lot. Well, she wants to tax something for this, close all the coal firing plants, so we'll have no electricity, but we're still going to produce more than we've ever produced because I think AOC said we'll just make it like a Manhattan Project type of thing. We're, yeah. we're defeating the Nazis, so this is what we right. do. The best and the brightest are on this. So I want to say this. I am tired of the fantasy land in which these politicians live. And I'll include Donald Trump and Ed to a point. Oh, sure. I'm tired of the fantasy land. Stop promising things you know not ever going to happen. How many college students voted for Bernie Sanders in 2016 because he promised them things they wanted to hear that he was never right. going to deliver? But, here's, but there's a very important distinction here. Okay. Politicians from time immemorial have promised things that they knew they would never deliver on. The difference is that the true believers like Elizabeth Warren, they're going to try to do this. Yes. Okay. There, that is a big difference. So it's one thing to stand up with your snake oil and say, you know what? At the bottom of that box of manure, everyone is going to find a silky pony. Just keep <laughs> digging. It's down there. Right? <laughs> Knowing that that's complete baloney. But, here, but these people are not that. AOC and Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris – they're going to try to ban fracking. Yes. And they're going to try to retrofit buildings. And they're going to try to, I don't know, ban cows. Okay? They want to use the government to actually do this stuff. That's the difference. So it's not just promising absurdities. They're going to try to harness the power of the federal government. Oh, you think, take your guns. <laughs> They'll never do No. They, if they have the ability, they will do it. Yes. Yes. Well, you, you talked about the cows and the fracking. I read an article this week from a evangelical Christian who said that all Christians should be in favor of climate change and we should be caring because climate change affects the, the poor among us more than... What's always left unsaid is what policies do you intend to support and advocate and demand obeisance to because just saying fine let's let's just for stipulate that everyone should believe in man made and again climate change climate's always been changing no no 
let's assume that everyone who's a good Christian should believe in anthropogenic climate change, okay? Man-made global warming. What policies are you advocating to remedy this? Because, see, that's what always gets left out. And what is unsaid is... Solar panels, Tony. What is unsaid is you you just need to accept whatever this latest prophet Al Gore, who have stepped off of their Learjet from from their conference in Monaco, whatever they want. And amazingly, what they always seem to want is two things, more government power over your life and more redistribution of your money to other people who are, I don't know, more justified in having it. (laughs) That's always the remedy. Amazing, isn't it, how that seems to work? Well, that'll stop climate change, won't it? Yeah, and it also does all sorts of other things. It's funny. We always see these remedies applied in other contexts. In fact, AOC's former whatever brain, Cerebrum, whoever this guy was, you know, (laughs) well, you know, this is actually, you know, it's not just about climate change. It's about, yeah, it's about what? It's a standard Marxist project to do what we've been trying to do for the last 80, 100 years. And it's all the same thing, except it's now more neatly packaged under this eco-religion because – that's the best vessel for us to try to shove it through. So do you believe an evangelical Christian who espouses eco-religion, as you're calling it, is is one or the other? Can they be both? Can they be a, I think an eco-religionist? I think any Christian, we're, we're clearly called in the Bible to be stewards mm-hmm. of God's creation. But that's twisted both ways because if you don't believe in, in this eco thing you say well that's not what he said god's saying in genesis and if you are you say well that's what he's saying because we're supposed to be stewards of this planet again that's why ask me about a policy first Mm -hmm. of all i don't think there is no one size fits all for any christian okay so christians can fall all along the spectrum here in terms of and they do and they should there i can't tell you what to think about that now we can we can have a conversation about well, what, what are the underlying facts? What are the realities? What are the, what are the proposals going to actually accomplish? What does the science say? Of course, you always hear this too. You know, Christians should rely on the science. Well, what science are you talking about? Are you talking <laughs> about all the science that keeps getting promulgated, all these falsified models, Them, these yes. predictive models That's that haven't been right mm-hmm. for the last 20 years? Because mm-hmm. as I learned science, see, the way it's supposed to work is you have a hypothesis and then you do what's called alternative hypothesis testing. And if your hypothesis is even wrong one time, That's even right. though it is such a good idea and you have such good intentions, that hypothesis is no longer valid and you have to scrap it. I don't seem to think that that's the process by which this no. is developing. We, it's actually confirmation bias, which is we've decided on our conclusion and now we're going to disregard any information that could possibly – any heresy – any blasphemy that contradicts that and only cherry pick information that helps us support our very, very doomsday scenario that unbelievably over the last, let's see, 50 years, ice age, ice age, warming, never seem to actually arrive when all the prophets of doom claim they will. And yet down the memory hole, now we need to remove the cows. If only the cows had been gone, that would have been that would have been the solution. Well, the ozone layer. The hole in the ozone layer that we've been here not since the 80s is apparently smaller than it was in the 80s. If you read the IPCC's own conclusions, which, by the way, are never – they're never in what they call the summary for policymakers, which is the 12 or 15-page propaganda for all the media outlets. But if you actually look at what is buried in the reports, they even admit – uh 
We can't really project any of this stuff with any validity. Of course you can't. You have no idea what's going to happen next week, let alone a hundred years from now. And we're being told we have to completely scrap our entire economy. We're going to eliminate oils, natural gas. Mm -hmm. I don't know how we're going to function because these people don't understand. Um, No, no. Solar, wind. Yeah, that's 4% of -hmm. global energy production. Mm Mm-hmm. What's AOC's magical plan to, in 10 years, ramp that up? And not only that, yeah. the environmental impacts of those technologies are horrendous. Because, as we've explained many times, read up if you want. It gets very deep. But read up on energy density, power density, and scale. You can't scale this stuff on a macro level without wiping out massive amounts of land. Because guess what? That's what it requires. It's far less efficient than fossil fuels. But even more, what about, you know, what about the birds, the the massive amounts of animal life that's destroyed? And because of, remember this term, intermittency, which means sun and wind doesn't shine and doesn't blow all the time. And what Mm. does that mean for a power grid? You actually have to have all those icky fossil fuel-related backup sources, so Mm. you're not really getting rid of them. Yeah, that's true. And we haven't found a plane that can fly on solar yet, so that's a problem. I'm I'm in agreement with you, and and I just keep thinking, okay, do you want to take us back to the 19th century? Well, wait a minute. We had kerosene. That's a fossil fuel. We had to burn. I mean, density of light was small, but you still had some light. Okay, we'll go back to whale oil. Well, there are not a lot of whales left to get the blubber and make the whale oil to burn the, the candles. We can make candles, but that's not a lot of light either, and we don't have no industrialization without some sort of power, animal or otherwise. Nobody, nobody, okay, nobody is in favor of pollution. And you may say, of course, Tony, the mustache-twirling corporate <laughs> titans. They'll, and you know what? That's true. Maybe. That goes yeah. on. Well, guess what? We have regulations, but Trump has rolled them back. No, actually, he hasn't. What? Obama's EPA wanted to do is take over the entire energy sector of the country under the auspices of pollution. Sorry, you don't get to do that. You want to be Venezuela. But the point is, there are trade-offs constantly. What did we what did we hear what did we hear from the Obama administration when they were talking about oil? Remember, and this has been heard for decades, peak oil. Remember the concept of peak oil? We're going to get to the point, I think, of Barack Obama. We can't drill our way out of this problem. We have to turn to the magic fairy dust, right? Here's the thing. What's happened? The fracking explosion, because this is purely from private entrepreneurship and ingenuity, we are now the largest oil-producing country in the world. Mm -hmm. Well, that wasn't supposed to happen, right? That no. was impossible. Couldn't we were happen. at peak oil. We can't Couldn't drill happen. our way out of it. And people say, oh, but fracking is awful. Well, fracking does have some environmental impacts, mm-hmm. which have to be mitigated. Most of it deals with the stuff they have to put down. Uh, by the way, all of you who think that it's contaminating aquifers, you need to read up more on exactly how far down they're drilling. They're so far beneath an aquifer that the idea of cross-contamination is ridiculous. So – these studies that purport to say, oh, look at all this contaminated well water. You know what that was from? It was from bad wells. Mm-hmm. Where they are drilling, we're talking thousands of feet down. There's no way it's migrating to the aquifer. But the stuff that we pull out because of some of the, the heavy metals and chemicals that are in there, mm-hmm. yeah, that has to be dealt with. Okay, mm-hmm. we can do that. What has fracking also done, though, which is really, really inconvenient for the climate alarmists? Which country, which developed country has the least... CO2 emissions over the last 20 years. I'll give you one guess. 
to start with you and end with yeah, us. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know why? <laughs> a large part of that is because fracking drives that down to the extent that you're very afraid of CO2 and want to call it a pollutant, even though that's kind of weird because mm-hmm. it's produced in nature. But whatever. We'll go with it. Trees and all. Fracking has actually been a boon. If your main concern is the end of Gaia because of CO2, you should want more and more fracking. But for some <laughs> reason, they don't. It sort of sounds like it's an animistic religious faith other than mm. an actual reality-based empirical conclusion. What about nuclear? Jeez, oh, yeah. if you're really worried about CO2, yeah. nuclear seems fantastic, but nuclear bad because, I don't know, Three TMI. Yeah. Right. And by the way, there are legitimate issues with storage of nuclear waste. We've got a pretty good handle on that. I think so. Um, they kind of like nuclear in Europe, and I've, I've, I'm told that Europe is very sophisticated and evolved, yes. and we should do everything that Europe they, does. They don't talk about nuclear, though. though. Right. That, so, so, again, I'm all with anyone who says, as a Christian— we need to be stewards of the earth. Absolutely. We need to be not actively polluting. Absolutely. The question is, tell me what your policy is that you claim is good for the earth that I need to support, and we'll evaluate that on its own merits. I, I don't think there's any policy they can promote that meets their criteria, which doesn't reduce our lifestyle. Like, meaning, you, if you want to drive an electric car, and you want to drive cross country? Good luck. It's going to take you a couple of weeks because you got to stop every three hundred miles or so to charge up for three hours. You're not you're not getting across the country in six or seven days. You're going to take two and a half weeks because you just can't get there. And all of the people, this is again. So I hear from all of these people, all of these moral authorities in Hollywood, all of these geniuses who have carefully studied this issue, the the blue check marks on on Twitter, they're flying around. Across the globe, mm-hmm. in their CO2 spewing jets, attending these vast conferences, <clears throat> they just put more CO2 in one intercontinental flight mm-hmm. than the average family in their SUV will put into the atmosphere in an entire year. Yes. So when Leo and the rest of them <laughs> get rid of their helicopter pad yachts mm-hmm. and their planes, oh, and by the way, their beach houses, because I heard, I heard that the beaches are all eroding. Why would you have a beach house? The thousand what tidal wave is approaching. When you start living like you actually believe this stuff and aren't just asking for backpats and backslaps mm-hmm. at you know your movie conferences or among your <laughs> faculty lounge cocktail party, whatever, then I'll maybe take seriously or at least look at you and say, you know what, that guy's actually walking the walk. Yes. Right. Yes. Leo's taking a rickshaw to the uh, the latest environmental confab. Whatever. <laughs> that would be yeah. slave labor. Then. Right. He's riding his pet <laughs> albino tiger. I don't care. But if you're going to fly around in 500 jets to meet in Amsterdam and hobnob over caviar, it's ridiculous. The other question they never get asked, so wait a minute. You're telling us in the U.S. I'm supposed to use one square of toilet paper and I can't have my SUV. You know, my entire family should have like a five-seat bicycle that we can take to the store and we should probably go grow like radishes and rutabaga in the backyard. Um, What is India and China doing? Not because this, this is, a, I've heard, right? This. this is a global catastrophe. Yes. yes, they're actually bringing on online hundreds, if not thousands, in the next decade of coal-fired power plants. Do you know why? Because they recognize intermittency. They recognize the stupidity of what we're being told. Well, not only that, they're going to do what's in their own self-interest. You so, if you're telling me that we need to do this for the good of the world, 
by the way, why aren't you asking Donald Trump to bomb China and India right now? Because mm-hmm. I've been told this is literally an existential crisis, Chad. Mm-hmm. This is the equivalent of a nuclear war. Our entire human race in 12 years or 10 years or 7.3 years or whatever is facing extinction. Why are we not waging war against Mordor, so to speak, <laughs> to eliminate what is destroying the earth? Can anyone answer that for me? Well, of course they can't answer that for you because there's nothing to say. I want to read something from Dennis Prager. I, I think this is um, right here. <clears throat> so he wrote this week for the Daily Wire. Dennis Prager, if you don't know him, look him up. He's got some good thoughts. Prager University. Prager it's really University. good. Here's some of the messages the left has been giving America's young people. Your past is terrible and your future is terrible. The American past is a story of genocide, slavery, racism, patriarchy, and colonialism. You should be ashamed of it. As regards your future, your very existence is in jeopardy. You may well die at a young age unless society completely shifts from fossil fuels to wind and solar power. In fact, your future is so bleak you should probably not consider getting married or having children. And he goes on about a girl, you're horrible. You're going to be raped. You're going to be paid less than a man. If you're black, you're going to be accused of everything under the sun. The police are going to go after you. If you're Hispanic, same thing. All, all down the list. This is what's being promulgated on the left. So if you... If you keep looking at these people going, wow, they, they get me. No, they're telling you everything is awful. It's always been awful. It will be always be awful. You are horrible. Why do you even bother to exist? They're, sh- they're showing no hope. Forget Obama's claim, hope and change. There's no hope if you believe what they're telling you. I, I can't sit here and believe that everything's going to be awesome, but I also don't believe everything's awful. There's it, it got to be somewhere in between, but that's not what they're giving you. It's well, always awful. Always awful. The thing is. They're living in the richest, freest yeah. country in the history, the history First world of the problems. world. And yet what you hear from them is – and it's interesting because I often hear Donald Trump – and I think this is true in, to some respects. You know, Donald Trump is engaged in fear-mongering. Sure. Right? He's a politician. Of course he is. Well, but I mean, yeah, and he does that. Okay? <laughs> so that's fine. But you just read off the litany of things that you hear exclusively mm-hmm. from the people who are opposing him. That's not fear-mongering? You're telling people that the earth is going to be over yes. in a decade or 20 years. Yes. You're telling people that if Donald Trump gets reelected, millions of people are going to die, right? You're telling people that there's literal concentration camps at the border of America. You're comparing it to World War II, mm-hmm. Auschwitz. What is that? I mean, that's beyond fear-mongering. I don't know what that is. I mean, you can't – fear-mongering, that, that doesn't even qualify. No. No. So <laughs> – you look at Donald Trump. Oh, my word. Did you see what he just tweeted about the New York Times? Wait, you just told everyone the Earth's going to be over. <laughs> I, that's, that was my point. If you, if you believe the leftist agenda, and make no mistake, everybody running for president on the Democratic side is a leftist. That's what they're telling you. It doesn't matter if you're white, then you, you hate every other nationality, and you hate women, and you're misogynist, whatever ism you want to give them. If you are a human being on this planet, everything's wrong if you're in the United States. What did we talk about when all the immigration coming here, legal or illegal, if it's so awful, why do they want to get here? <laughs> why do they want to come here if what you've told them is it is horrible? It's always been horrible. It will always be horrible. Don't come here. And yet it is odd. it's odd that they want to come here. So well, either they don't believe – maybe the propaganda is not working overseas, but it's working here. I, I just read today, 59% of people surveyed think the First Amendment needs to be adjusted to remove hate speech as protected right. terminology. 
you can't say anything evil or mean well, to somebody. And again, demonstrating fundamentally that that's the one type of speech that has to be protected. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? All of the nice rainbowy speech, <sighs> nobody actually wants to be protected from that. They don't care. Right. See, that's kind of why you need the First Amendment. It, it just because mm. you have to let the people say things that make you really angry. I guess I want people to think, use your brain, turn it on, use it and say, why would I continue to listen to somebody who tells me everything is awful? Always has been, always will be. Doesn't matter what you do, you're awful. Well, but and, awful. And listen closely because what they usually finish with is, and the way to remedy the awfulness is me. to give me <laughs> political power. Yes. If you vote for me, it won't be awful. Right. Right. Isn't that been the democratic mantra to the black community since forever, the 60s well, at and, least? And people are starting to take notice. Some people, you know, you've got you've got the uh, people like Kanye, whatever you think of Kanye. But there there are now, I think, increasingly because, look, they can't hide the economy. No. Right. The African-American unemployment lowest it's been, I think, in history. Yes. Um Wages are up, mm-hmm. and again, I don't agree with everything about Donald Trump's economic policies. But we no. were we were told we were promised under Obama this is the new normal. Mm-hmm. We will not have two percent GDP. You got to get used to this, people. Okay, <laughs> this is just the way it is. Well, guess what? That's not the way it is. No. So there's other ways to do this. But you're right. People are starting to notice. Geez, all of these cesspits, these these urban places where again, African Americans are told. You are, you're, as Joe Biden would put it, you're all in chains. Mm-hmm. You're all in chains. You're all victims. And guess what? I wouldn't want to live in some of these places. They are no. pretty awful. Sure. Schools, crime, drugs. Yeah, things need to be done, right? But who's been in charge of these places for four and five decades? Mm-hmm. Unilaterally, exclusively. Democrats. Oakland. Over time. Chicago. Atlanta. Philadelphia. D.C. Baltimore. Go down the list. Yeah. There hasn't been a Republican Mayor, governor, city council, school board in these places for over 50 years. Now, at some point, you have to start asking yourself, is there some correlation here? Hmm. Maybe we want to try, I don't know, something different. (laughs) Just see what happens. Well, you you made the point. You keep telling me it's awful, but if you vote for me, I'll change it. But it never changes. It just remains awful. It doesn't right. get better. But you're going to have to give me a little bit more of your money. Yes. If you give me more Every money, year, I can. A little bit more. We're almost there. Just how much more do I need? A little bit more. Right. Yeah. We, we got to fund the $52 trillion. Yes. We okay? got to fund somewhere. I mean, are you selfish? Yes. <laughs> don't you want everyone to have universal health care? Just no. like Sweden? No, I don't. I don't. Well. Want, I don't want to have to pay 140% in taxes. Yeah, that, that yeah, sounds odd, but that's what it would be. This is one thing I think we should say. So, so as Christians... You know, and and I have to check myself on this. You have to separate politics from okay. We talk about politics a sure, lot on this show. Sure, I don't really care what your politics are mm-hmm. in terms of my relationship to people. Mm-hmm. And, and if you do as a Christian, then you're you got a problem, mm-hmm. right? Because our our goal is not to win political battles. No. Okay. Our goal is hopefully to, to tell people the reason that we have our faith mm-hmm. and bring them to the same saving grace that we have. Sure. Okay. Now, my wife would say, well, then why are you telling people to shut up on your show? Like, you know what? I probably shouldn't tell people to shut up. Wait, she has to listen to them. Uh, these, are, these are disembodied people that I'm talking about. But no, but the point is, so you have to separate. We talk about political things. In the political realm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but right now, if you're going to just talk about political ideas, political policies, I don't think there's ever been a larger chasm between the two parties, the two main parties in this country than exist right now. And if you would ask me from a political question, not about 
of course you can befriend these people, sure. right? But if you're going to ask me, where is the where's the olive branch? Where's the consensus? Where's the you know where's the moving towards the middle? There is no moving towards the middle on these ideas. Mm-mm. There just isn't. Okay, when you have some party that's saying we want unrestricted abortion on demand up to crowning and in fact beyond. Mm-hmm. There is no middle position there for me. There can't okay? be. If you have a party that says we want essentially open borders, you have to take in. Now, again, uh, there's others that can differ from this uh, from some you know, Christian perspective and say we have to take in everybody. That's fine if that's your position. But from a political and national security position, there is no middle ground there. I'm sorry. Now, should we have? Yes. Can we improve our border enforcement? Should it be humane? Should we s- separate children from their family? No, none of that. Okay. But my point is, is that at least as a political question right now, you go down the list. There is no middle ground. No. There just isn't because their ideas are so far off the map that you can't even bring them back into this universe, right? When you no. have somebody that says, we're going to spend $52 trillion to force everyone onto government-funded Medicare for all, there is no economic middle ground there. No. Okay, that's Looney Tunes. No. You don't. You can't find middle ground with one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Okay, you just have to medicate. That's yeah, it. Yeah, right. I, I agree with you. So that's a political perspective. Mm-hmm. From a Christian perspective, though, and and we see this increasingly in our culture where people are cutting family members off and friends off because of political disagreements. Stupid. I would never do that. No, it's just stupid. right. I have yeah. many, many, many. In fact, because of the environment I'm in, far more of my sort of professional friends, you know, think I'm a. You know, I'm some kind of you know, crazy white nationalist person just because I'm conservative, right? That's the label you get. You are, but yes. That's the label you get, <laughs> right? So I don't, it doesn't bother me. Right. I don't, as a Christian, I don't, that has nothing to do with valuing them mm-hmm. as someone who I'm hoping will see the reason that I have my faith, right? Hoping to share that with them in some way. But isn't by, by the, your actions, they have a perception of you in a certain way. But your actions don't necessarily follow their perception. Isn't that a way to reach them and say, wait a minute, I thought he was this. I thought he would condemn this, but he didn't. He didn't, he didn't get angry. He still talked well, and to it's, me. But it's tricky because, for instance, you, Donald Trump, the, the ultimate kind of lightning rod, someone will look at you, many Christians, and say, well, and again, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. But I will admit that on this, on this our little humble show here, <laughs> I find myself not so much even defending him, but – kind of attacking those who are attacking him because, again, I find them more dangerous than he is in all of his... Aren't you defending his right to be president because he was elected president? Yes, exactly. You're not defending him per se? But that doesn't matter. But to those people, the minute that you say anything that's positive about Donald Trump, well, how do you you reconcile being a Christian and Donald Trump? (laughs) And and again, we could have an extended conversation where I would very clearly lay that out, Mm -hmm. but it's difficult to do that in a a two-second soundbite. Sure. Well, yeah. They don't want to hear it. No. Right? It's just you have your – if you're MAGA, that's it. You're inherently a hypocrite. You inherently hate brown people, Mm -hmm. right? You want children separated from their mothers, all of that stuff. And so it's very difficult to even have um, a a conversation where we actually listen to each other, express these ideas. And sure, we have fun on this show. You know, (laughs) I I get fired up sometimes, but I will say – you know, and, and I'm sure my wife would even say this to me. You know, how are you? how are you bridging the gap? In terms of these policies that are being advocated by the current iteration of the Democratic Party, which mm-hmm. is no longer a liberal party, mm-hmm. okay, liberalism is different from leftism. Mm-hmm. There's a leftist party. I don't, I don't know how you bridge that divide in, a, in political terms. Okay? Yeah. If we're talking purely about what policies do you support for a civil government that we would hope would be enacted 
uh, for sort of the best functioning of this country, I don't see how I don't see how you compromise or mitigate any of those things. I just don't. Well, that's the old adage: all politics are local. Everything you experience in your world impacts how you expect the rest of the world to behave, or at least the rest of the country. So if you're feeling like there's no jobs, there's no future, there's no whatever, you're going to react accordingly. Whether It doesn't matter that everywhere else might be experiencing an economic boom. If you're not, you assume that's the worst thing can happen. I think we have this obligation to be with our neighbors and spend time with our neighbors and our coworkers and show them that Christian love even when they don't expect it because I think it has a reaction. Now, it's not going to affect everybody. I mean, you're sitting here with your MAGA hat right now, obviously. <laughs> it's, uh, my, it's my sleeveless MAGA hoodie. <laughs> but I think that's the reality. There's an expectation that you act a certain way because they believe you are a Trump supporter. I'm not saying you, you voted for Trump, but that Trump supporter mentality, you're, they've been conditioned to believe that you are evil if they are on the opposite political perspective. And they have the condition to believe that if they also prefer Trump, that you agree with everything they say because you also prefer Trump, right. which isn't necessarily true right. either. So, so you're one of like the Jerry Falwell Juniors of the world, which sure. goes out there and says, you know, Donald Trump is a oh, he's a perfect example of a Christian. Yeah, no, I don't think so. No. Why would you say something like that? That's not true. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's not true. Right? We can so, all see that. You're right. So there's there's different different sides of this. The other thing is that I don't know if this is true of you. You know, we we spend a lot of time on this program talking about politics because it interests us. Sure. And not in just politics, but kind of like just ideas, right? Yeah. But how much time do I do that during the week? Almost never. I almost never because yeah. I think uh, – I use my wife as an example because she – I think she thinks that I like buttonhole people <laughs> at work. Like, hey, yeah. what's your position on gun control? I, it just doesn't come up. Yeah, you don't talk right? about it. It doesn't come up. Politics um, and religion are hard to come up in but conversation. You know, there are, you, we all know people, though, who like find a way to kind sure. of you know, scratch the record and bring a, yeah. I want to talk about <laughs> – it just doesn't, just doesn't come up no. uh, because actually I think in the current environment, people are afraid. People, well, they're people afraid of what this, you're going to react with. Well, not only that. I mean people are afraid you bring up the wrong thing now in this climate, mm-hmm. the cancel climate, mm-hmm. right? You can find yourself out of a job. Yes, very much so. I, I don't disagree. I think you have to be extra cautious about sharing – your political beliefs. No, I almost especially, think- no, no, especially if you're a conservative. Okay, well, you don't have to be extra no. cautious for the most part if you're among the woke wokerati, right? Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, for the most part. Now, again, it depends. You know where you live. Okay, it's regional. Yeah. But you talk about look at the people who are constantly being boycotted. If you're a conservative and you're a Trump supporter and you exist anywhere within, you know, sort of. White collar world, whatever the the Beltway corridor, Silicon. You better you better be silent and have your meeting in your basement, yeah. because you you say anything that's even not even controversial, right? Shouldn't uh-huh. be controversial. Shouldn't be, but it is. Like for instance, Daryl Morey, right? We go back to Daryl Morey. Poor Daryl Morey. Hey, support democracy. How dare you? How dare you, yes. How dare you anger the Chinese overlords? Um, it's it's difficult, and I think there's a lot of people that whether or not they admit it, there is a sort of very suffocating kind of stigma now attached to you better not better not say anyone that you voted for Trump. Yeah. I, I almost not. find it's easier to talk about Christ than it is to talk about Donald Trump in certain oh, circles. Oh, I actually think you're probably right about that. You know, outside of your your church or your your religious uh, community, I think it's almost easier to talk about Christ. You're going to get less pushback. You're still going to get pushback based on where you are, but less pushback than if you said, 
I got a MAGA hat in my closet. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's really but I think, and I think that's, a, that's a dangerous environment that we're in. The dangerous, it's when you see the kind of Petri dishes of our college campuses and what goes on there, where it's now taken as gospel that, mm-hmm. well, of course you can't say things that upset me. Why yeah. would you be allowed to do that? No, Why mean. should I have to hear things that are hurtful to me that I disagree with? That's horrible. I want that person taken to J Council, publicly flogged, <laughs> covered with chicken feathers, and ran, run off campus. Of right? Course. I want. Where is the bias response team? Where's the Where's the van? And so that attitude, unfortunately, is now percolating further and further out into our political culture, mm-hmm. our popular culture, mm-hmm. and it's being. The, we talk about this idea, the Overton window, yes. right? The Overton window, which is essentially what is acceptable. What is acceptable debate? conversation ideas within the public square and the what the left is about is changing language using language to diminish your ability to talk about the things that they don't want you to talk about so that window constantly shrinks and shrinks and so when when before 10 years when 10 years ago or less than 10 years ago barack obama could absolutely say well i I, i'm in favor of uh, heterosexual marriage Mm -hmm. you can't say that now no in fact not only can't you say that you better stand up and applaud about you know Everything related well, to the transsexual agenda. You're hateful right. if you say that. So this is the idea is that we use language. You know, you're not allowed to – well, we're, we're going to dictate what pronouns you use. Mm-hmm. And we're not just going to dictate that. We're going to criminalize that. Uh, this, I'm not making this up. New yes. York and California. Yes. Right? And, and increasingly – Virginia. Virginia increasing, and that's the point is that it has this, this cascading effect where less and less and less is permitted. Mm-hmm. And so uh, pretty soon you really are. You really are kind of behind your, your – your home or your church or whatever, and you kind of say this stuff among the people that you know you can trust because if you say that at your job well, or on social media, maybe you'll get doxxed. You could. You know, you maybe, maybe could. someone's going to boycott your business. Certainly could. Um, it's happened. That is, a, in my view, a very destructive and increasingly worrying trend, and I don't, I don't see it changing anytime soon. My daughter comes home, and we'll have conversations about what's going on at school, and I'll tell her certain things and, and if she doesn't like what i'm saying she'll say stop you're being mean you're yeah. bullying me i said no i'm not bullying you i'm telling you this is wrong and this is right that's not bullying just because you don't want to hear it doesn't make it wrong it just means you don't want to hear it but that's an elementary school oh, yeah. i can only imagine what it's like in a high school or a college right now if you feel like you're being bullied when you're told something you don't want to hear can you imagine going back to when you were a child or at least in high school and your teacher said no, Tony, you can't do math that way. Yeah. You're being mean. No, I can't. I can do it any way I want. But it's I'll... not just you're being mean. You're being mean. I want you fired. Yeah. And in fact, I want, I'm going to camp out at the principal's office and I want, I have a, an art, I have scrolls of uh, grievance. <laughs> yes. I want new people hired. I want this person, you know, rendered an un, unperson. I mean, so it's not just the idea that I don't even want to hear this, but now I am going to punish you. Mm-hmm. I want the powers that be. Whatever power I can wield, whether it's at a college campus or a government, you are to be punished. You are to yes. be silenced. Yes. Because I don't want to ever hear you again. Yes. And that's, that's and that sad. is absolutely the attitude. Yes, it is. It is. Before we end, uh, I forgot to mention one of the movies somebody said was better with the remake was True Grit. True Grit with John Wayne in the 60s versus the well, now, remake. I bet you're going to say John Wayne, right? I like John Wayne. I do like John Wayne, but I think the, I, I thought the, the remake I think the was good. Better. But I, it's still John Wayne. And I, I can't get past that John Wayne part of it. The movie You're was very the similar. Beef. It just it. it I mean, well, I also I also like uh, Jeff Bridges. So yeah, I didn't have a problem with that. I, I just I liked John Wayne. 
He was iconic. You know what movie I was watching the other day, and I thought uh, this is much better than the remake, and I had a, I'd never seen it before. Is um, uh, what's the uh, it's the now why am I blanking what the name of the movie is? It's this it's the movie. It's a caper. The very wealthy guy that steals Thomas Crown Affair. Yes. So I saw the, I had never seen the original. I oh, saw okay. the I saw the one with Pierce, Pierce Brosnan. Brosnan. Yeah. Well, the original is Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway. Yes. Much better. Just, just much better because it it's Steve less, McQueen and Faye Dunaway. Less love story, more. Yeah, but it's just, it's just better. Well, yeah, you can't even explain why, other than it's Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway. It's better. Well, Rear Window with Jimmy Stewart versus yes. Shia LaBeouf. Well, of course, whatever remake that was. Uh, it, it sometimes it's iconic. You know, the original um, Magnificent Seven. Um, mm-hmm. The original is better. Just because of who's in it, right? You can't, Yul Brenner, you, that cast cannot be, it's yeah. iconic. Now, I love Denzel, and the new one was entertaining, but it's just not as good. Well, you can make a shot for shot remake with great actors and actresses. It doesn't make it better because it's new. Right. You've got to have some take on it that's different. You go, Ooh, Well, for instance, cool. if they ever tried to remake It's a Wonderful Life, this is never going to be better. Why would you try to make that? Well, because they always do stupid things. Or Wizard of Oz. Why would you try to? I mean, The Wiz. That was not See, now here's the thing. I never liked The Wizard of Oz. It's iconic. It's okay. Yeah, and it's I, simplistic in its I just, I don't get the whole message. Wizard of Oz thing. Eh, it's, it's, I, I didn't love it, but it was simplistic in its message, but it was also very iconic that this is black and white to color. That was unique and different at the and time. And even as much as I would complain... And sort of, because uh, my mom made us, we watched, I've watched The Sound of Music probably 97,000 times. I'm sorry for so, you. No. But here's the thing. It's not going to get improved. No. In fact, did they do a remake of The Sound of Music? I don't, I don't know. even know. I don't know. Julie Andrews is the only person that should be in The Sound of Ten Music. Ten Commandments. Christopher Plummer and Julie, Christopher Plummer is the only person, even though he's not a great singer, who can sing Edelweiss. I'm sorry, you can't remake that movie or that musical. No. And make it better. You no. just can't. Did you like Ten Commandments? Would you like to have that remade? I mean, it no. was. No. The Charlton Heston was a remake. Oh, Cecil yeah. B. DeMille's. I think his was better than Cecil B. DeMille's. But Cecil's was black and white. And yeah. it was mostly, I don't think, was it even a talkie? I think it was a silent movie even. So it just, every every era has their own thing. That's all I'm going to say. You like True Grit, the newer version versus yep. the older version. I like them both equally. Just different, Well, if you're a big reasons. John Wayne guy, then you have to, I mean, you can't not. Yeah, but I didn't like him as Genghis Khan. I thought that oh. was ridiculous. You know what I found out the other day, and we, we need to wrap up? Yeah. I was amazed. I was ri- driving to school. I was taking my son and his friend in the morning, and we were talking about movies. And, uh, oh, they said one of their friends at school, they're like, this kid has a really weird name. Like, Conan. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. I said, oh, like Conan the Barbarian. And they both looked at me like, what? what's Conan the Barbarian? I'm like, wow. you, don't know, you don't know about Conan the Barbarian? Wow. What? I mean, you never showed it to him. Obviously. Well, not even the movie. There's all the Edgar Rice Burroughs, well, Conan books. Yeah. We're going to have to get some of those. You get some of those books? They get... had ne- literally not even, not, had not penetrated their conscience whatsoever. Had never even heard of Conan the Barbarian. Edgar Rice Burroughs. That's a good person. He wrote a lot of different oh, books yeah. and a lot of different series that you didn't realize was the same guy. You got to go back, you know, the the, the Martian Chronicle. It wasn't Martian Chronicles, but it was. Um, oh, it's uh, it's that guy that goes to. John Martin. Carter. Yes, from John Carter. Yeah. That and didn't he do Tarzan as well? Yeah, but he, I don't know. I think there was multiple people that. Did. Okay. I don't know who was actually the person that originated Tarzan. Yeah, but it might have been him. And also, like you know, Conan the Barbarian. There's just a lot of things about this guy. You're like, wow. And this was written over a hundred years ago. Most of the stuff was written over hundred years. Ago. That's amazing when you think about 
this guy's imagination in some of the books he wrote. I think that's something you should go back and read if you haven't. It's a very interesting. Yeah, I just was very d- disturbed that they well, don't know who Conan the Barbarian is. Well, you'd have to change that, aren't you? Well, he immediately went on YouTube and then you know saw Arnold. <laughs> Arnold. Yes. <laughs> Did you see the Terminator movie? Yeah. The new one? No. The new one. Although know. now I'm becoming – we'll talk about this next week. I'm becoming okay. a little bit alarmed because, as usual, they've decided to – apparently I've read some reviews. I'll still go see it that now we're, we're getting some woke messaging in this one. Uh-oh. So well, Uh-oh. We've, I'm, I'm going to go see it, and then we'll, we'll see whether I have a 20-minute okay. screed about how they've completely ruined it. Uh, I was believing the best <laughs> because Carpenter was back involved. Even though he's not directing, he's yeah. producing. But I don't know. I have Carpenter some, or Cameron? I'm sorry. Yeah, not Carpenter. James Cameron. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I said Carpenter. Yeah. That would be bad. Halloween. It's Halloween. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe Michael, that's what you're thinking. Michael Myers is Michael now Myers. in the Terminator movies. <laughs> that would be really If Dr. Scary. Loomis was in, it would be good. Oh, my. <laughs> okay. Whatever. We've run long. We've run long. Thank you for joining us. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. This has been a Hannah Tree production.